Yeah, we've had, like, a long break, but it's so cool to know that, like, um, during that month, you guys all are learning different things. You're still walking with the Lord, and, but yeah, I'm very excited to dive back into Exodus, and Andrea's going to be teaching on May 24th, so that's not next week, but the week after that. Um, location to be determined. Um, I don't know. Okay. I, I'm going to talk to, I'm going to make sure that if we can use the church and I'll let you know, but, um, but yeah, so today we're going to be covering chapter 21, chapter 22, chapter 23, and it's a lot, it's all, it's like all laws and stuff, so it's really, um, dense, but it's very good, um, and lots of questions that we're confronted with, but I think questions that will be really good and show us a lot about God's heart, um, so yeah, today we're picking up right where we left off, so chapter 20, was like the great commandments and then we talked about how chapter 19 was like setting the stage so god is like revealing his power and his majesty and having the people get ready for his coming and then in chapter 20 is when he gives them the 10 commandments and basically he's like this is who i am i'm holy and worthy of all your obedience now here are the laws and we kind of went over those laws do you want another blanket andrea that one won't really do you much it's doing a lot okay i'll be good for now you just let Elise know. <laughs> yeah. uh, but so we talked about that and how every single one of those laws, they made sense not only so that we love God, but so we love each other and we can run like a successful society. So that's a lot of what we're going to see today is a lot of these laws are so um, are because like God wants our obedience, but also because God knows how to run a successful society. And so we're going to see that a lot here. Um, so anyway, let's jump in. I'm obviously not going to have us read all three chapters because that would be a long time so we're just going to kind of skip around and read certain verses hopefully give you guys the full picture but i do encourage you to like go back through and study this yourself if you feel led to do that um because there's a lot here that we're not going to be able to cover but it's all really good stuff so um so yeah this week god is going to go more in depth with laws and regulations um and these laws and regulations have a few purposes um like i said they are structured for a safe society They create a system of justice and accountability because God is a God of justice and accountability, hence why we need Jesus as our Savior to cover our sins and make us right. Um, It will set the Israelites apart from anyone else. So these are laws that not a whole lot of other people groups around them have. So it's like, oh, the Israelites, they do these things. Aren't they weird? But actually, the Israelites are set apart for God. They're supposed to be weird. Christians are supposed to have rules that don't make sense to the outside world. Um, And then also these laws reveal the character of God and the heart of God because God will never command us to do something that, you know, he doesn't uphold himself, if that makes sense. Um, So let's dive in. Chapter 21 um, begins with laws about slaves. So as soon as we see the word slaves, I'm sure a lot of our hearts go, whoa, like, why does the Bible, like, say that there's laws about slaves and basically say that having slaves is okay? Um, So what comes to your mind when you think of the word slave? definitely go to like the slavery that we know about mm-hmm. which is American slavery which was evil and wrong and not good in God's eyes like God would, does not say yeah thumbs up 
no, like he, he hated that and it was wrong. It was inhumane. Um, so all those things are true about slavery, um, but this slavery here is not the same as American slavery. Um, there's a few things that set it apart from American slavery. Um, so first of all, this slavery was voluntary. So people would literally sign up to be a slave and basically I'd work as like an employee, employer situation where um, you would, if like you were in a, in a pinch, you needed money or maybe you owed money or you're trying to take care of your family, you would sign up to be someone's like employee or their slave and you'd work for them for a certain amount of time. So usually it was six years. And after that six years, you were granted your freedom. Um, and so those are two things that set it apart. So it was voluntary and then also it was a limited amount of time. But like what we know about slavery was it was not voluntary. It was against their will and it was for a lifetime. Um, so that definitely makes it separate from what we have, what we know. Um, and then also the slave would have things provided for them. So their master, their employer would provide their food, their clothing. They would take care of them. Um, so part of the deal was come work for me and in return, I will care for you. Um, and also, it was, like I said, it's for a limited amount of time. And there were very strict rules about how a slave would be treated. So if you look at verses 1 through 6, um, it, it basically will describe a bunch of different things that the master is required to do for the slave. Um, and a lot of these things are to protect the slave. And if you skip down to verse 20, um, I'll read it for us. When a man strikes a slave, male or female, with a rod, and the slave dies under his hand, he shall be avenged. So this basically says that if the master uses his authority to abuse his slave and he kills him, the master will be killed as well. Um, so that's like God's system of justice. It was pr to protect the slave. And then if you look at verse 26, because then we ask the question of like, okay, what if they don't, what if they don't kill them? What if they just abuse them? Uh, verse 26 says, when a man strikes the eye of his slave, male or female, and destroys it, he shall let the slave go free because of his eye. So this, this law doesn't just mean their eye. It means like any time the, like a master uses his power to abuse a slave and he, he like, you know, strikes them and they break their arm or they hurt their leg or they have some physical uh, sign that someone has hurt them, then that slave is granted their freedom immediately. So all these, all these laws are in place because God loves all people and he doesn't want people in power to abuse people that are not in that power and he doesn't want anyone to be abused. So that leads us to know for certain that God would not say that American slavery was okay. He hated it. He, it was wrong. It was injustice. It was unjust unjust it was inhumane um and we see all these laws and they reveal something about god's heart they reveal that he loves all people no matter who you are no matter what social status you have he loves you he wants to protect you and he wants an equal society um so yeah and when we get to verse seven we see something very interesting um when i first read it i was like what does this even mean uh, so verse 7 of 21 when a man sells his daughter as a slave she shall go out as one of the male slaves um so basically this, this sounds weird because you're like, what father would sell his daughter into slavery? That makes no sense. But the only reason a father would do this was to provide his daughter with a better life. And it was usually to set them up for marriage. So he would sell them to a family with like higher income or better land or more cows. I don't know. Um, and then hope that maybe she would marry one of the sons. And again, we see that there are laws put in place to make sure that this daughter who was given away would be protected. So um, she cannot be sold to anyone else. She can be redeemed by her family. So if something bad does happen, her family can come back and say, we're taking our daughter back. Like this was a bad decision. Um, and if she doesn't get married, she still must be provided for. And all that is in those few verses in the middle. 
Um, so she gets there, she's there for like three years, and then she never gets married. The master still has to provide for her food and clothing and all those things, and basically care for her as if she's her, their own daughter. Um, so yeah, in this in our culture, this stuff doesn't happen, right? Fathers don't sell their daughters to be like, hey, go get married, you know, over here to this family. That doesn't happen. But in this culture, it was normal, and God set rules in place that, that were supposed to be followed so that these women would be protected. Because um, God cares about women. He cares about all people. Um, so yeah, that was a lot there. Um, do you guys have any comments on like that section? I, can't, I know I kind of went through that super fast. I always, sorry. <laughs> so I always okay. think of, so like uh, different versions use the word slave over and over. Hmm. And my, this version of the Bible for me, it uses servant hmm. over and over. And it's, they mean the same thing in this context, yeah. but servant is a kinder word for it. Mm-hmm. So when I think about biblical, well, the instances that are, because there are a few biblical instances that aren't the greatest of, yeah. of slavery and servant. Um, but I think of it like, servant like they signed up for it everything you just said but I, yeah to make it kinder in my head I call it the servant yeah you know yeah yeah my my version says slave but I do think servant is a good word to use especially since like when we say the word slave it goes it takes our mind somewhere else well so the, the thing that's not so great about servant is that servant like we often think of servant as like with the servant's heart and you're being selfless mm. and you're being giving. Yeah. And they weren't quite doing that. They needed something out of the exchange. Mm. It wasn't just serving. So I like understand it as that when I read it, but servant helps yeah. when I read it to just remind myself that this is good. Yeah. God made all these laws to protect them. Like it's not a horrible thing in yeah. this situation. Yeah. That's super helpful. Yeah. I like the word servant more too um but yeah any other thoughts on that section I have a question yeah how does verse like 21 fit into like verse 21 of 21 sorry 21 but if the slave survives a day or two he is not avenged for the slave is his money um hmm so yeah when I read through this I took it as like so later on there's another law that says, like, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, life for a life. Mm-hmm. And so, like, whatever wrong was done will be done to them. So because they haven't died, they will not be killed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have no idea why it says the slave is his money. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Is it, like, the slave? Mine says the slave is their property. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, because the slave is still under covenant. Maybe that's still under their line. Yeah, but then, like, we take that other verse into consideration of, like, if there was, like, like actual damage, like, or an injury happened, then that slave would be set free. So maybe it was, like, punishment? Like, if they were trying to steal things or if they were doing something so extreme. Yeah. Some sort of discipline. Yeah. And they died, then they, then the owner would die. I don't know. Yeah. I guess it's not like, what if they like hit them and they would bruise? What is that? Like, is there like, like, is there a certain level that is like, what's the threshold of tolerable or whatever? Yeah. Right. And like, because we live 
in a sinful world, we have to assume that there were masters that treated their slaves yeah. or their servants very poorly. Yeah. Because that happens even today with, like, employers and employees. Like, that still happens in, in relationships and stuff. And so, yeah. I don't, yeah. The Enduring Word commentary says, um, the point is that men is not that men are mere chattel, but the owner has an investment in this slave and he stands to lose by either death or emancipation or by setting him free. Mm, okay. So he's losing his money if like if he sets him free or right. if he dies either way. Like either we'll way. Stand to lose something. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So was the Bible like during the time like that we did have slaves, like mm-hmm. during that time, was the Bible translated yet or was it not? Yeah, it was that's translated. That's what I just think is crazy because I, I feel like they could just take it so wrong. Yeah, well, that's what happened. And a lot of slave owners would use the Bible as a way to yeah. kind of abuse their slaves. And they would make them go to churches yes. and say, you have to believe this. I'm like, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Because most slave owners would consider themselves Christians. That's hard, too, just I feel like even today, like, when a lot of people are looking back on those times in, like, American slavery, like, they are against Christianity because they think that it, like, tolerates and allowed, yeah. like, yeah. said mm-hmm. that slavery was okay. Right. But it was just, like, obviously under, like, a different right. framework. Right, which is, like, it's so hard because it was so wrong. Like, if you were a Christian during that time that tolerated slavery, you were wrong. Like, there's mm-hmm. no other way to say it. And so it's almost like now we have to prove that we won't stand for any injustice now because, yeah, because the like God is a God of justice. So, yeah, very tough questions and things to think about. And I don't have all the answers, and we might not ever have all the perfect answers. Um, but yeah, these are like really good to think about so that when people, we, Luke and I were downtown, we had a conversation with someone who was a, um, uh, some, some form of Judaism and he, um, he was black and he was trying to get us to apologize for what our ancestors have done. And he was like using scripture to try to like, I don't know. And so like, it was like this interesting situation that we were put in where we did say, yeah, what what previous white people did was so wrong, like, so wrong, but, like, we don't believe any of that today, and so I think those are really tough questions and things that we have to be prepared to answer, but, yeah, very interesting situation, but, yeah, so in verse 12, we see kind of what I was talking about before, that the punishment of murder, so if you strike someone and he dies, Um, you will be put to death. So life for a life, basically. God takes murder so seriously. Why do you think God takes murder so seriously? Because you're taking his creation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're his creation. And, um, like, I don't know. It's like if you, like, put something, a lot of time into something, and someone just, like, came along and just, like, smashed it. Mm -hmm. Like... Yeah. Another one of your creations, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he definitely is not okay with someone else taking life into their own hands. Yeah, why else do you think that God takes murder so seriously? To the point where he says, your life must be taken if you take a life. I mean, that's heavy stuff, right? That's 
stuff that's bigger than we should be able to yeah. comprehend. Like that's just something that is should be God's. Whether a life should continue or end, whether it's sickness, accident, murder, whatever, mm. that should all be God's decision. It should all be his plan. We should have nothing to do with ending a life that the Lord started. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, that is exactly what Caleb said. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but both still very true. Yeah, because we're all made in God's image, right? And so, like, God set us apart from, like, animals. We are so much more valuable than animals. He made us in his image. He loves us deeply. And so, like, when murder happens, it's completely devastating. It's wrong. And so, in order to prevent murder from happening, God says the law that if you take a life, your life will be taken as well. Um, which also brings a whole lot of other questions, like where is grace? Why can't that person be forgiven? Um, so what do you guys think about that question? Like, can someone who murders someone be forgiven from, from God? Can they experience salvation? Yes. Yes. Moses killed a man. Moses That's killed true. Him. So did David. That, like, really stuck with me. <laughs> David murdered someone? So that's Tori always gets me. This law also is pre-Christ. Yes. So post-Christ, absolutely. Hmm. They can be forgiven of that. Pre-Christ, yes, you can be forgiven. But there are other things in place. There are other punishments. There are other things that you have to do because of your actions. Because you can't just be saved. Right. So I don't know if you guys know what the Hebrew camp is. So it's like a I don't even know if it still exists, but it's like a a partner ministry kind of with Wheeler, but it's just for men. And so, mm-hmm. like, the men go to, like, this camp, and it's all men, and they handle everything, whatever. And when you're through the camp, or when you've done your program, there's this big graduation ceremony. And we had a family friend that went through it. And I don't remember why he was there, but there were murderers in the room. There mm-hmm. were horrible drug addicts. There were abusive people. There were people that had spent decades in jail, like all of these things and their lives were radically changed for the Lord and mm-hmm. felt the salvation and they, so they had these cabins on the camp where on certain weekends family would come and be with them for two days or whatever and they'd leave. But you saw families being rebuilt through the Lord and you saw lives being rebuilt and you, like there was a place for them to go start to work afterwards and like, wow. I mean, we knew the guy before we went to the after and he spent all his time with the Lord he spent all his time learning about the Lord all these things and his whole life was changed right and I it's gotta be yes the answer has to be yes because I mean all of those men in that room were radically changed just by the words of the Lord Mm. yeah yeah and there's like so many prison ministries that have crazy like stories of life change I think it's because when you're in prison you know that you did something wrong and so, like, that, you know, like, the blessed are the poor in heart, poor in spirit, for they yeah. shall receive the kingdom of God. Sometimes it takes, like, some convincing for, like, those of us that have never murdered someone to be like, oh, I am a bad person. I do need a savior. But for yeah. someone who has, like, done really bad things, it's like, no, I know that I, I'm in need of a savior. That hope of the gospel feels that much more real. But, yeah, and then I think of, like, the person, the guy, that, the criminal on the cross next to Jesus. Like, he did yeah. something worthy of death. 
So it'd probably include murders, like, you know, if it, like, if they were still abiding by the law at that time. And so, and Jesus, for, Jesus, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus forgave him. Um, so yeah, God is serious about human life. It's valuable and protected, but God is also a God of grace and mercy, but also just and, and like wants to make things right. Um, so it's like impossible to figure out God, right? But we do know those things about him. Perfectly just, perfectly gracious, perfectly, perfectly good. Um, so yeah. Whew. Any questions or comments up to this point before we move on to chapter 22? <laughs> <laughs> Those are the best. <laughs> that sentence you just said, oh gosh, what was it? The one, uh, we try to figure out God. Yeah. How often do we try to figure out God? You said mm. we can't figure out God, but we know this about him. Yeah. So that just really convicted me. Oh. It's like, how often do I try to figure out God? Yeah. Because it's not wrong to try to learn more about him, but trying to figure out how he's all those things at once. Yeah. Like our brain will just never be able to comprehend. Yeah. But it, it feels like we can because yeah. this is all we know. Right. You know? Yeah. Sometimes I think that the word just doesn't even do God justice because, he, like, that's just a human word. Yeah. So I'm sure there's an even better word that's probably, like, in heaven that describes exactly what that means for God. But, like, he's like, just give them this word. They'll understand this <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah. You know? Or, like, the word, the word good. He's like, yeah, just... Just do that one. Good is That'll good. help them out. And so, I don't know. It's, yeah. Or even, like, when God, like, compares himself to a mountain. He's so much bigger than a mountain, but, like, in our mind, mountains are like, oh, so big. <laughs> but, like, he's so much bigger than that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. And, yeah, what you were saying about words. And so the English language, like, doesn't have as many words as nearly right. as any of us. Like, in Hebrew, there's, like, at least five words for love. Yeah. At least. Mm-hmm. So I wonder what it means to other people when we say just. I wonder what their word means. Right. I think that that's why sense. studying Hebrew and Greek is so powerful because you learn so many, like, deeper things about the words that are in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Um, (laughs) 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 I'm bored. (laughs) Why can't we study something like Ephesians or something? (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. Um. So chapter twenty-two is. Uh, where's my notes? Oh, here we go. Chapter 22 is all about how to run a successful society. So basically, 
God doesn't want, want us to steal. Like, that's not what he wants for us. But when those things are stolen, he requires it to be given back and sometimes more. Um, so restitution is what God calls it to make the right wrong. To make the wrong right. Um, so... I thought that was her sitting because it happened at the same time. I was like, oh, Did no. you have the accurate elbow? On your funny bones? Oh, no. On your funny bones? Oh, I'm sorry. So basically, these laws, they're created to make wrongs right. So for us today in the New Testament, how are our wrongs made right? By Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, Jesus is our restitution. He's the one that makes everything right. So like these laws of how of how to make things right, so if like someone steals your cow, go give him two cows once you're found out. Like, you know? Like we should probably do that today. Like if you steal something, you should probably give it back. But also like if you steal something and five years later you find Jesus, like that stealing is forgiven. You know, it's made right. He's the one, he's the, he's the law that covers that for us. Um, praise God, right? That all our rights are, all our wrongs are made right. Um, so, and also some of these laws have to do with social justice. Um, so kind of just like, I want to like know your guys' thoughts, but how many of you guys are like really passionate about social justice? Yeah. What, what do you mean by social justice? Yeah. There's a hundred ways to explain. Oh yeah. So like, um, Racism, sex trafficking, um, like rape with women, yeah, rights with women, equality, women's rights, yeah, uh, minority rights, voting, like children's rights, right? Yeah, so basically, like anything, like anything that is wrong and unjust, trying to make that right. So, I know Kayla is you've always been passionate about that kind of stuff, um, but like for me, it opened my eyes, like working in places like the Boys and Girls Club in Marion and Portland Promise Center opened my eyes to the fact that there is so much injustice that I've never even really experienced because I'm white, I'm middle class, it just hasn't really touched me, but that doesn't mean other people don't suffer at the hand of injustice every day. And God is a God of justice, so his people should be very passionate about about justice. So like when we hear that sex trafficking is still a thing, that should like boil our blood and make us do something, make us pray, make us give, make us help in some way. When we think that, when we experience racism, if we hear a friend make a racist comment, we should be on top of it. Because God is a God of justice who sees all people the same, no matter your skin color, no matter your gender, no matter your social class. Mm -hmm. He loves every person, so therefore we should too. Um, So yeah, and and it's also hard because we live in such a broken world. That's where injustice comes into, but that doesn't excuse it from happening. Um, so yeah, God loves the most vulnerable, and we're going to read that here too. He, he loves the fatherless, he loves the foreigner, he loves all people, and a lot of these laws are in place to protect the weakest in society, so to protect the widow, to protect the child that, whose parents passed away, to protect the foreigner who's traveling, leaving an abusive situation. All these, peop- all these laws are in place. Um, so yeah, let's look at verse 21. Um, this is God's reasoning for why, why people... Oh, yeah, I kind of skipped over 1 through 15. That whole section is basically just laws of restitution. So laws of whenever something's wrong, make it right. So you can read over those in your own time if you would like. 
Um, but verses 21, it says, You shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him, for you are sojourners in the land of Egypt. So sojourner, I don't know what you guys' translations say, but a sojourner is basically a foreigner or someone who doesn't have a home, like a stranger, kind of walking, roaming, wandering. Um, so what's God's reasoning for why his people should care for those that are on the outside? Yeah, because we were foreigners too. Or they were foreigners too. They were slaves in Egypt. They were treated like nothing, right? So therefore, they should care for those deeply who also uh, are treated like nothing. Um, the same goes for us today. There's many things in the New Testament say that you were once far off. You were once a stranger. You were once alienated from God, but now you were brought in. You're part of his family. So therefore, treat everyone with love. Treat everyone with kindness. Share the gospel. Bring other people in. Um, so yeah, when you guys think of that verse of how we should love the outsider, um, how can that be applied to us today? How can we love the outsider today? Well, you go. You go. You go. <laughs> so much in the fact that like we should always have empathy and love for people because that's what's commanded in the bible and that's what god would want to i think sometimes when we see like uh, do not mistreat your oppressive foreigner we automatically go to immigrant we automatically mm. go to someone who's not from our country or whatever and it's we should <laughs> that, those are important things to know but kind of going off of what maddie said it's not just the people that are from a different country it's mm-hmm. the person you don't get along with too well, the person that's maybe not in your friend group right now, it's the person who maybe is just new to church or mm-hmm. you 
know, it's it's not always some like exotic foreign person that doesn't come from tiny small town Indiana, you know, yeah. like it's also the people that just aren't hmm. right in your close circle of friends. Right. Because yeah. every one of us in this room has been an outsider looking in on a group of friends. Right. right. And so even something as simple as that, that's something that everyone has access to and can understand. Hmm. That's not so everyone true. can understand or is willing to understand or is even willing to try to understand all of these big topics like immigration and, mm-hmm. and things like that. But everyone can relate to right. feeling like an outsider where you are. Yeah. So it's even smaller things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's so cool that like God's word can be applied to the big, hot topic, big button, whatever issues that are very serious, but it can also take place in like, hey, this person always sits by themselves. Let's, like, love the outsider here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, it covers everything. Yeah. Yeah. And going off of that, it's also, like, just, like, any non-believer, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because technically they are outsiders. Yeah. If they haven't accepted Jesus, they're outside of, like, the circle of, like, believers. And so we should still reach out to them. Yeah, for sure. And in every single social situation, there is always someone who's on the outside. There's always someone who's standing off or someone who doesn't feel quite like they fit in. And so we should be so, we should allow ourselves to step outside our comfort zone. Be like, rather than talking to my friends who I'm comfortable with, I'm going to go talk to this girl who I've never talked to before. Or maybe I struggle talking to. I'm just going to try to make her feel like I care about her. You know, those things can be so impactful. Um, yeah, and then God says something that we just can't skip over in verse 22. He gives a reason for why we need to... Um, um, maybe I put down the wrong verse. I'll just read from 22 until I get to it because it's somewhere in there. Um, you shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry, and my wrath will burn, and I will kill you with the sword, and your wife shall become widows and your children fatherless. So, whew, pretty serious. So he's basically saying, if you don't listen to them, oh, I will listen to them, and you will get what you deserve. Um, which is like, wow, God is really serious about taking care of those who can't take care of themselves or maybe have suffered a major loss or are just struggling, and he wants us to be a listening ear to them. Um, so we shouldn't be the ones that look over them. We should be the ones that that draw in close. Um, and so, then... Hmm. Go. Maybe I shouldn't ask this question. <laughs> Verses like this. Mm-hmm. Is this a call for Christians to foster? Maybe. I mean, it doesn't say. I thought about it before. It just popped into my head. Yeah. And I wondered. <laughs> well, it, it doesn't say, oh, go foster a child or. But the fatherless. Yeah. They're parentless for whatever reason. Right. I don't have an answer. It just yeah. popped into my head, and I was like, yeah. I do think that verses like this uh, encourage believers to foster, for sure. Is it wrong? So, like, somebody who is considering that, or adoption, or anything in that vein, hmm. this could be a verse that stirs their heart to do that. Yeah. Is it wrong that mine is not stirred in that way? Are there other ways to care for the fatherless than foster? Oh, 100% there are. Then no, it's not wrong. 
<laughs> yeah, there's no, and there's no, like, obviously, the Lord is in control of your heart, and so it's like, if he wants your heart to be stirred for it, he'll stir your heart, especially if you are like, Lord, stir my heart. I'm willing if you if you want me to. I've always wondered because I'm like, does this mean I'm selfish? Does this mm-hmm. mean that I, you know, yeah. don't want to give my life in those, like, does this mean that I'm withholding from the Lord? But it, yeah, it there's no cookie cutter way to care. No. Yeah. Yeah, but that's a good question. It's something that we should all consider. Um, but yeah, and then I, there was a verse in here that I wanted to read. Oh yeah, skipping down to verse 27. Um, basically he's saying like, make sure you're giving to the poor, like give them the shirt off your back. Um, and he says in verse 27, for that is his only covering and his cloak is for his body and what else shall he sleep? And if he cries to me, I will hear for I am compassionate. I love when God says like, I am statements. So like, I am good. I am just, I am compassionate because that's him defining himself. So it should be like, like, like an alarm in our mind. Like God is compassionate. That's, that's his motivation for these laws is because he's compassionate. Um, so yeah, any questions over chapter 22? Or thoughts? Cool. Were you going to say something, Andrew? No, I'm just looking up. Okay. <laughs> um, so, chapter 23, we're only going to cover to verse 19, just because I think that's the best way to split it up. Um, so basically, we see that God wants his people to have patterns in their life, and he wants them to have two different kinds of patterns. A pattern of rest, and a pattern of worship. And we love talking about rest because <laughs> we need and it. Worship. Yes. Um, so pattern of rest. So every once every six years, they are told to let the ground rest. So basically, they would harvest for six years, and then for one year, they would not, they would not sow any. They would not plant anything. They would not reap anything. They would let the ground rest. Um, everyone should listen to "Let the Ground Rest" by Dick, by Chris Rensema. It's amazing. Um, but God wants them to let their ground rest and also let themselves rest and then he says once a week do not work take a sabbath focus on me um and we've talked about this many times but it's for so much more than just because we're weak and we need a break it's so that um (laughs) it's so that um we learn to trust god more because it, it would be so much easier to take things into our own hands and say i'm gonna work every single day because that's just it's gonna make me feel better and but no, like Maddie knows. Don't work every single day. Um, he also wants us to trust him enough to be like, you know, on this day, God will provide for me. God will help me have enough money. God will help me have enough food. God will help me have enough energy for the rest of the week if I just take today off. Um, he wants us to focus on him. Um, so I have, we always have to ask, do you guys have a habit of rest in your life? Are you taking, this isn't one that you're going to answer. This is just like a personal question for you to think about. Um, like we should all have habits of rest in our life. Um, patterns of rest that's what God wants for us is a pattern of rest Um, and he also wants us to have a pattern of worship so they had two different kinds of feasts they had had the feast of unleavened bread um, to remind them how they came out of Egypt God is big on reminders right he wants them to never forget that he saved them from such terrible slavery Um, so the feast of unleavened bread was to remind them how they came out of Egypt and a feast to gather what they have collected and give it to the Lord so it's like this time of remembrance and this time of like giving back in worship. So they would collect what they've gathered and they would give their first fruits to, the, to God. So they would give the best of everything they had to God. Um, and so when I read this, I was convicted because I was like, do I give my best to God all the time? Because sometimes 
especially like my when I think of my devotion time, I guess. I don't know if my devotion time is like always my best time or if the money that I give is always my best money or the time that I spend serving him is always like my best time. Um, so like for you guys, when you think about that, how can you know that you are giving God your best? Well, I think we can definitely pray and ask him like to just make known to us like what we could give. And I'm sure like over time, like he will like be faithful in that and he will like tell us. Um, so that's a good start. Yeah. 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 That's good. It's really good. I feel like I've heard this somewhere. I don't know if it was from like a small group or if it was something I'd rather listen to, but um, I've heard it, it said that like you can tell you're giving your best when you're fruit out of it, like people kind of, like all the fruits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like depending on like how you produce it, it's whatever you're trying to do is it producing mm. fruit. That's good. That's really good. I don't know where I heard that from. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, and sometimes the fruit can be really small. Yeah. So, like, you could work really hard on a Bible study and, and it, like, only have two people. Right, and you may not even, like, know it produces fruit until right. someone comes up to you, like, three years later and is like, oh, hey, this is really encouraging. Yeah, yeah. So, oh. it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> it, may, it may not be, like, an immediate fruit, but, yeah. I mean, a lot of things have those, isn't it? So, yeah. And also, like, fruit in ourselves, because you could lead a two-person Bible study and be like, Lord, there's no fruit here, but, like, he's growing things in you, like, love and compassion and trust in him. Yeah. 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 I think I know when I'm giving him my best when it's hard. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. it's not, like, when you have a limited amount of income, it is not easy to Mm -hmm. give the Lord some of that. Yeah. When you have kids, it is not easy to say, Lord, I love you more than I love my kids. Mm -hmm. I love you more than sleep. But like, it is not easy to give the Lord your best because mm-hmm. I worked for it, I earned it, I created it. Like, I want it. Like, mm-hmm. it's for me, right? I'm on the earth. God's not here. It's for me to enjoy. Yeah. You know, and that's our human selfishness getting in the way. So when I like Sunday morning, while I was bawling in the front row while we were worshiping, um, there's I don't remember what song it was that we were singing. Revelation song. There's a line that says, you are my everything, and I will adore you. And I was sitting there singing to myself, you are my everything, Lord, more than my kids. More than my kids, Lord. I want you more than my kids. And I, you guys know that's in and of itself a hard thing yeah. to say, but, like, it should be hard. It shouldn't be easy to be, like, Lord, you can have, like, this. You can have this part of my life. You can take my Sundays, a big revenue day for my small business. And it, it's yours. I'm giving it to you. So I know that I'm giving my best when it is hard. Yeah. Because it's not easy to give away. Yeah. And then once you get past that that bump of okay, this is really really hard, and you just are just filled with joy when you give the best to the Lord, right? When you're to a place where giving the Lord your money is like the church is just going to do so many so many better things mm-hmm. than I could with this money for the Lord like I, it's just it's, it's just going to be better the Lord is going to train my kids better than I can mm. you know yeah. it's, it's like it lifts a burden off yeah. of you when you give the best because often the best is the most important in our lives mm. right if you're a student the most important thing you have is time to study to work to whatever it is 
And if you just give that to the Lord, he returns it tenfold, and you're like, the Lord, like, he's given me rest, and I can study better. He's given me, you know, whatever. Right. Like, once you get past the, this is so hard, part of that thought, it mm. becomes a blessing. And you just see where the Lord is working. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, because nothing the Lord calls us to is necessarily easy because he's like, died yourself, and that's pretty hard. It's like all those things that are so important to us, like your kids, your family, your business, your school. Those are things that he's like, okay, let it go. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's good. That's really good. Yeah, so God wants his people to have a pattern of worship, remembering, honoring him, praising him, and giving to him things. So, like, letting go, giving him our first fruits of our life. And so we're, we're all going to have different things. Like, none of us are moms, so, like, we... I, oh. <laughs> there is a mom. There's two moms. There are two moms. Sorry. Oh, you made eye contact. <laughs> you literally looked at Caitlin and looked at me. Of moms. <laughs> I was gonna say like Caitlin. I mean like Andrea, and then like my eyes locked with Caitlin, and I was like, Mom. <laughs> None of us are moms like Andrea and Caitlin, so like we don't know what that's like yet. But I love advice like that because I just like like a sponge, soak it in. Um, but we all have different things like that we think about that are the most important things in our life. It's all going to be different for each one of us, but it's all the same thing. God wants us to give it to him. And it doesn't always mean like, Lord, I really love my school, but because you want me to give you school, I'm going to drop out. Like, that's not what he wants. Oh, no. <laughs> he just, like, wants you to, like, have an open hand and trust him with everything that you are. And sometimes that is dropping out. Sometimes giving yeah. school to God means that he takes it. Yes. Yeah. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But then when you drop out of school, he gives you so many other things. Yeah. Better. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder like why I finished school because I don't need my degree really. Yeah. But maybe it'll be helpful one day. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um so yeah, I think that's all that I have. Do you guys have any questions or comments over today? Cool. Alright. Um who would like to pray for us to close out? I can pray. Thanks, Sandra. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for just the opportunity to come back, to start studying together weekly on a weeknight again with each other. Um, I'm sure that we miss these Tuesday evenings, and I'm just so thankful for the fellowship and friendship that you have just grown through this group. Um, Thank you for all the rules and promises that you've put in place to protect us and others, and things that you've done to remind us what is important in our lives. Um, and even though these laws don't quite specifically apply to us anymore, um, the concepts are there and the, the importance and the things that, the values, the values are there. That's what I'm trying to get at. So help us to apply those values and keep your mindset and the, the reminders that you say. You say you're compassionate in these verses. Help us to remember those things about these rules as we go about our week. Amen. Amen.